I'm Chucky. And I'm your friend to the end. I hate kids. Where are we going? Home. Where's home? I have no idea. Heidi fucking ho. Hello, welcome to Chucky Talks. Hi, Christine. Hello, Alex. This is episode four, part two. We're going to talk about episode four, Just Let Go. Yup. It's a good one. I just uh, been watching it today. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one. It's a pivotal thing. It kind of, this is the transition episode from the new back to the new with the old, I guess. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're right around the corner. Uh, next episode will be fun. We get to start talking about some of our old favorite characters, That's Tiffany right. and Nika. But we got a good one in the meantime on the way into this one. Uh, just let go. This episode is, you know, we talk about homages and Easter eggs. This whole episode is kind of an homage to Halloween 2, which uh, for a couple reasons. They mentioned this, you know, Don talked about this in the inside looks thing um, that came after the episode. But much like Halloween 2, this takes place the same night as the previous episode. It all takes place in a hospital. Um, so besides any like particular things, there's a general homage kind of going throughout this whole episode halloween 2 i've never seen halloween 2 so i can't comment yeah i have seen it but it's been a while it's been a while most of the halloween movies have i have i've not watched in a long time but i watched the first one sort of recently and i just seen the two most recent ones recently as well yeah i saw I halloween kills in in the theater recently but yeah i i i'm sort of i think it's cool of dawn to to nod to another franchise. I think it's really cool of him. Super cool of him, and he does it frequently. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a lover of this genre, clearly. Uh, so it's always served Chucky well. Um, yeah. so let's so, do it. Okay, yeah, this episode starts kind of right where it left off. Jake, uh, when we last saw Jake, he was in a, a uh, cemetery kind of feeling the guilt and remorse over his decision as this house burnt down uh, or not burnt down, but burnt. And, you know, at this point, Jake doesn't know who's alive and who's dead, who made it through this and who didn't. Uh, so he walks to the hospital, the full moon's still there. And there's a red LED lit kind of uh, cross on the top of the hospital that Jake 
walks under and walks in to see the aftermath of his destruction, so to speak. Yeah, and um, he's gonna get in an elevator, right? And the elevator's red, which makes me think it's a shining, it's an homage to the shining. Remember the previews for the shining and the elevator doors open, blood just comes flying out of it. I sort of, I got a shining vibe from this red elevator. Definitely, and it's it's that's that's a more subtle one. There's a more obvious uh, shining homage coming up. Also, there's several in this episode. I think maybe this episode more than others. Like I said, the the whole thing is kind of Halloween too. But there's a lot throughout this one. Um, but yeah, so Jake comes in and he's learning he who parents getting some bad news. Yeah, Oliver Oliver is actually the only fatality of this, which probably catches Jake by surprise. I think he would have expected uh, yeah, a different outcome. But everyone else kind of found their way out of this, except for Oliver. So um, he's flashing back on the fire, and then he'd, and he, he's panicking because he's worried about Devin, obviously. Yeah. So he sees uh, Junior. Uh, Junior made it. Junior made it. Yeah, he, he sees everybody, and but you could tell that he's thinking, "Okay, where's Devin? Is Devin okay?" Uh, there he is. I just got goosebumps when he looked at him. They're so cute. These yeah, days. yeah, and yeah, he definitely got a sense of relief that uh, Devin made it through. Um, yeah. In fact, the first, when I rewatched this last week, I actually teared up when I saw them make eye contact. It was really sort of moving. Yeah. Well, the more we watch this show and analyze it, I feel find myself even more connected to it and even a bigger fan than I was to start. So. So now we have Jake. He's he's looking in the window. He sees Caroline's in the hospital. She's in some sort of breathing apparatus, and her parents are there at her side. Somebody grabs his shoulder, and who is it? It's Allie. Um, yeah. Looking, Allie, looking for an ally. Allie, looking for an ally. Because <laughs> uh, she knows for sure that Chucky's a real thing at this point in time. Despite the fact that Jake tried to have her killed, she's able to team up with him on this for the greater good of all of this, you know? She sees yeah. the bigger picture, which is certainly mature for anyone let alone someone her age you she also said at one point when he, when she's really fully letting it you know sink in what this doll is about killing his dad etc she says chucky what a dick what a dick, what a dick. Which is so, an understatement that made me laugh absolutely i mean her 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 dialogue is right on par with chucky honestly for how witty and and great timing and yeah, one of the things, one of the many reasons why I love that character so much. Um, but yeah, Lexi's in the loop now, you know? She knows what Jake knows, so they have to have this chat. You know, it's... Uh, and and I, I got the sense that for Jake, it's a bit of, you know, I mean, these are things that are uncomfortable to talk about, to say the least, but I'm sure he's also a bit relieved because someone believes him now. He has an ally, he has someone who uh, knows his truth on this, a truth that is, uh, you know, I, I, you and I know as well as anyone is uh, impossible for others to believe. Right. And this goes to another scene with the uh, mom detective and Devin. 
Rachel Cassius, who uh, we didn't get to have on the show. Unfortunately, I never met her when we were on set. But she's, you know, she's fantastic in this. And um, there's a lot of complexities between their relationship and her uh, attempt to understand what's going on, even though I think it points her a little bit towards what she knows is impossible. Uh, so seen later too, where you can tell that she's almost willing to maybe entertain the idea that this doll's a lot, you know? Oh, the doll's definitely connected. Yeah. Uh, but now this is a scene where she tells, she tells her Devin, uh, Devin that Junior died but he no. didn't die from the fire. That right. he'd been murdered. He'd been stabbed to death. Not Junior, Oliver. Oliver, I'm sorry. Oliver. Yeah. But yeah, and then that's that I, I found that interesting too, because it's just the complexity of the storytelling that's so great, you know, because it would have been easy to just chalk that up to, oh, he died in the fire. Let's move on to another part of the story. But that's this is a part, this is the, the story, you know. They this detective is realizing that. Uh, this, there was murder here. Yeah, this, this one has nothing to do with the other. Did you see the doll there? Did you know? Did you see the doll? And was Jake there? Jake was definitely not there. He's saying Jake was yeah. not there. Yeah, yeah. This cuts to this week's logo, which is you know they're always a foreshadow. This one's a foreshadow and a little callback because it's very cult of Chucky. I feel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, syringes and scalpels. Yep. Medical equipment. Yeah, and beautiful one. So now we, we're cutting to Lexi uh, asking about Caroline. Caroline. And basically they call her a coos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck you, you don't care about your daughter. Your sister, I mean. Um, yeah. They're super incredibly unkind to this poor girl. They are well. That like you know now there's there's it's we're talking about the mayor feels there could be a citywide liability issue. The mayor, her daughter was there when this fire happened. She doesn't know at this point that there was a murder there as well. But uh, just, but the building was a, is, a, is a historic landmark and yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> bad form. Yeah. So this cuts to. Uh, a very obvious look. I don't, I'm don't, not the best at picking up Easter eggs in homages first watch, but first watch, I knew right away that was a shining reference when the ball comes sliding in. Uh, that's, you know, very, very much The Shining, yeah. uh, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I definitely picked that one up. And, you know, it, also I thought how you can't trust anyone on this show as the mother goes and picks it up my thought was like, who's this woman? What's her, what's her connection here? What's this, what is this about? Why did they show us this? So Devin walks up uh, as the mom takes that ball away. Devin walks up to Jake. Yeah. And gives him the creepy news that, that Junior, that uh, Oliver was murdered and didn't die in that fire. Yeah, this wasn't an accident. There's, you know, he learned from his mom, the detective that because they were oblivious at the party. They had their headphones on. They were in their own world. Um, I mean, Jake wasn't even there. But, you know, uh, he's learning now that Oliver was murdered. Add to the intrigue and mystery of what's going on here. From And he knows, and he knows damn well, you know, if Oliver was murdered, who, is, who did it? 
Well, uh, Jake uh, certainly knows. Yeah, Jake knows for sure. Uh, I, I even think, you know, Devin almost suspects something at this point about this. I don't know if he suspects anything about the Chucky doll yet at this point. I think he does. Um, not yet, but he's soon. He tells, he tells Jake, Jake's reaction is so like, dun, dun, dun. I think what's yeah. off in the distance. <laughs> it's really great. This leads us into a... Uh, Long, long overdue showdown between these parents in this uh, community. Uh, Michelle and Nathan have their gripes and their fingers to point and blame. Certainly so does uh, Logan and mm -hmm. Bree. And they're all blaming each other. They all want uh, this fault to land on someone other than their own. Detective Evans even gets called into this. You know, your, po your podcast son is, you know, like any any way to deflect uh, blame from themselves. Yeah. And you can tell Logan is so consumed with and obsessed with his son in a way that all he can think about here is that, oh, this is going to affect his track meet coming up, you know? Yeah. How dare you mess with my son's incredible uh, athletic career that, you know, that's, that's he's so consumed with that. I have to feel like this, these vending machines that don't ever work are an homage to something too, but I don't know what. Uh, I think it's been done a lot. Yeah, it's always someone pounding their fist on a vending machine. It's a great, yeah. great way to express uh, the frustration of a character. Stick a vending machine out there where shit goes wrong. And yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I love about this scene that I find very fascinating is... Uh, Nathan, you know, he, he's really taken a backseat to the, the dominance of his wife, who's the mayor. But here he tries to step up for once. You know, he tries to say he, he, he notices that, you know, Logan is unhealthy, unhealthy, obsessed with uh, his son's, ac you know, um, not academics, but athleticism. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he steps up and he starts defending him and what does he get for it he gets punched right in the face the one time that he tries to uh <laughs> defend something he gets punched right in the face yeah and so detective evans um comes up and breaks the news again right that in fact that a kid died and he he wasn't he didn't die from a fire yeah, well, the, the, the two of them, it's the situation's escalating so much that they're like, I'm pressing charges. No, I'm pressing charges. Yeah. And D Detective Evans quickly ups the ante to distract that. No, now we got a murder, guys. You know, talk yeah. about a punch in the face. There's a murder, and one of your children might be involved in this. So maybe get over your shit for a second and realize yeah. that, like, we got bigger problems. Bigger fish to fry. Yeah, for sure. Children. Lexi and Jake have a, uh, a further their chat a bit further and you know as much as Lexi wants to deal with why Jake was trying to kill her there's a bigger picture like I said and like she realizes and they, they she decides very quickly yeah okay we got to go back to the house and see what's she going on. a really funny line she's got two funny lines here she says one I don't want to spend the rest of my life waiting to be killed by a toy yeah. which is a funny line. And uh, as they're exiting, she has a throwaway line, like, God, I need to shower. Um, <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah. I, I didn't even hear that one. 
That's a good one. Right, yeah, she's constantly inserting these great little lines. I love yeah. it. So I've noticed when they go back to the house to look to hunt Chucky together, um, I know people always think Chucky is a CGI effect and you and I both know he's not. He's almost 100% almost practical puppetry. Um, but they had to CGI that burned roof on the house, uh, which I think is a great thing they can do nowadays filmmaking these are technical things that couldn't be done before that can be done now yeah i'm sure that that burned roof is a cgi a painted in after effect but when they get there there's a cop patrolling the house and there's crime scene tape everywhere yeah there's a great music too i love the song that that uh they're playing in that little short scene there uh called control by pretty lungs yeah really really good song choice uh, and this is the scene this time is a little short-lived. We just get a little snippet of it. And we will come back to them momentarily. Uh, yeah. But it cuts back to the hospital. Another image of the cross. There was, there was the cross when uh, Jake was walking into the hospital. Then there was another one with the same red lighting. In the hallway, yeah. In the hallway. And now for the third time, there's one outside of Junior's room as well. Uh, and yeah, Junior. Junior and his dad have a chat that is uh, super uncomfortable. And Junior seems very, very, I mean, painfully aware of this kind of obsessive nature that his father has towards him. It's all he can talk about. And Junior's in a position to lie to his father here. You could tell he does not want it. Track is not as important to him as it is to his father. But, right. but he gives him what he wants and he says, oh yeah, that's what I want. And that's all Logan wanted to hear. He hears that and he's like, okay, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Now I could relax. It's really, it's also, you know, maybe you don't sense it in the moment, but it does foreshadow a bit where things are going to go between them because this is a serious issue they have. It's building rage in Junior. Yeah. yeah it is. Even- his health isn't even the concern. It's his track. It's his track and field career, not the fact that he almost died in a fire. I mean, kids, even if they don't intellectualize that stuff and don't have the actual thoughts in their head, they feel it. You know, they feel what's missing in this relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, the the nurse injects him. There's uh, going to be a few scenes of people getting injected with medicine in this episode, but uh injects him with something you know and i she even says like uh, you're gonna feel funny in a few seconds which i think is a good way to say that uh and she shoots him up with you know whatever it is uh morphine or uh tramadol or whatever medication it might be i love that junior just gets instantly crazy high and for some reason is compelled to start singing lyrics to we got the beat as he, as the medicine starts to take effect, okay. he lays back and he starts saying the words from that song. It's weird how that came right into his head. And uh, I guess it stays kind of on the tip of his tongue often, those lyrics, because there's another moment later in the finale or, or the seventh episode where that comes back in a great way. Great effect, to great effect. So while he's going under, though, he sees Chucky, he sees there's a quick flash of Chucky walking by. Yeah, and what's significant about that is 
for the for the viewer, I mean, we just saw what we would assume Chucky burning to death in a fire. So is this the indicator that continuing with where we left off, multiple Chuckies are there? You know, we we know, you know, Christine and I obviously, we knew that the intention was always going to be include everything. This is all continuation. But you know, the viewer at this point didn't doesn't necessarily know that with a, a, a reinvention of something in the form of switching to television and everything, they could assume things, but they don't really know for sure that this is all everything's gonna tie in at this point. And this is the first indicator that perhaps there are multiple dolls, or perhaps not. Yeah, or Chucky just got his ass to the hospital. Yeah, uh, and also they they very brilliantly uh, give you some doubt with that toddler, that the toddler that's wearing this good guy looking outfit. You know, was it Chucky or was it that little kid with the ball rolling? Right. right. So it's just just a brilliant brilliant way to keep the audience guessing but thinking ahead. Yeah. Now we're cutting to Devin, who's doing a deep dive on Charles Lee Ray and good guy dolls, and he's learning all about the OGs. <laughs> you and me and Tiffany and Nika, he's learning about everybody. Yeah, and some funny search things come up there too, you know, uh, it's Google searches that are probably pretty much what you would get if you searched in real life too, like doll unboxing and uh, what your doll says about you was one of them, which I found. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then he stumbles upon urban legend and breaks it down. You know, you know his his uh, infatuation with true crime because of his mom, I guess, whatever other reasons, is uh, is really helping him piece this together. You know, and, and it helps him continue like the narration, not only to the audience that he does through the podcast, but kind of the narration and explanation to the rest of the team here, to the right. audience. And, you know, and it's a great uh, device because it really happens in real life. I mean, you, you saw Don't Fuck With Cats and- Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I'll Be Gone uh, in the Night yeah. or something. Yeah. These where people, internet sleuths are sol solving crimes. It's an incredible new development and, you know, or yeah. unintended consequence of internet uh, access. Absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah, Every, everything's a- database uh, one way or another if you look for it yeah. um, now we cut to a flashback of charles lee ray at the orphanage yeah that that little uh google search kind of triggers this flashback uh, these flashbacks i gotta say uh that's my favorite thing about this episode my favorite thing about a lot of the episodes i love these flashbacks to young charles lee ray uh now we're at teenage Charles Lee Ray. Uh, well, I think looks like Don. Like he's a, he's a skinny kid with dark curly hair. It's a little. I think it's an homage to Don himself. Yeah, he does. He does a bit. Uh, I could see that. I could see that. Well, so and so does Jake. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I think this kid did a great job too. The actor Tyler Barish, uh, teenage Charles Lee Ray, he really captured a lot of the essence of. Uh, Brad Dorif, I mean, but but of, of the character Charles Lee Ray, like a really really great casting. 
So we have young Charles Lee Ray, teenage Charles Lee Ray, leading these little trio of kids out on an adventure to go find, you know, buried treasure or something. It leads them deeper and deeper in the woods. And so these kids are exhausted and saying, can we, are we going to get there? And when they get yeah. there, what's up there? Like, is uh, it, Captain Hook, yeah. yeah. A dead Captain Hook. A dead Captain Hook. Uh, and, you know, this, this is just another indicator of many that we're uncovering in these flashbacks that Charles Lee Ray is a psychopath. You know, he's yeah. not necessarily a sociopath. This is not the uh, result of his environment. This is an evil inside of him. You know, and it, it's very evident too how he's shows these kids this dead body almost like if they're gonna love this. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't seem to have any connection to the fact that this is wildly, you know, awful, horrible, the worst, you know, like he doesn't connect that way. And he scares the shit out of two of those kids, except for, you know, his uh, potential protege, who will find out who that is in a bit. But uh, yeah, that the one kid is fascinated by it. Playing with the maggots of the stick and Charles Lee Ray says, you got guts, kid, which is what the killer had said to him in the closet when he killed his mother. Absolutely. That killer that was, you know, even though their encounter was brief, clearly it was impactful. I mean, it led to the murder of his own mother. But uh, as I said in that episode, he, young Charles Lee Ray, saw this killer as a mentor of sorts, you yeah. know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so as he's laughing, they superimpose a Chucky face onto young Charles Lee Ray, which is super spooky and scully. And what, what a cool choice to do that. Good. I loved it. I loved it. I liked it too. So back at the uh, scene of the fire, uh, Lexi and Jake are looking for Chucky, um, but they can't help about talk about all this shit going on between them. Um, they're both still dealing with his rage that he still kind of feels for her, her rage back at him for trying to have her killed. Um, but she's also kind of trying to relate to him at the same time, asked about his medication affects her. Was it for anxiety or depression? Both, you know? And yeah. Jake has another little personal revelation in that moment saying, uh, no, I'm not happy. She says, what are you happy? And she said, no, I'm not happy. In fact, I can't remember the last time I was happy. So as they're at each other's throats, they're also relating to each other. Yeah. Uh, it's really setting up the uh, fateful decision that Jake's about to make. Uh, and he has some really powerful dialogue there too, where she says, you know, you wanted to kill me. You wanted to kill me over what I did. You." You think it's okay to just want to kill somebody? And he snaps, he says, I don't want to kill somebody. I wanted to kill you because you fucking yeah. deserve it. I wanted you to die. Yeah. So That's really incredible. powerful. Yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. And so, that, good. You can, uh, and that leads to the abrupt moment where she falls over the ledge. And, and Jake, first of all, impressive reflexes, but, uh, he reaches out and grabs her. And now he's made, forced into this decision. Um, and first of all, I wanna say, I know, I know it seems like silly, like 
in the first few seconds of that, that what is she going to get a sprained ankle if she falls? I mean, it's not really life-saving. She's only about four feet off the ground, but yeah. still he, he goes to grab her and it does not take long at all for us to realize the, the real threat as Chucky, a new version of Chucky that no one has seen that you and I are both wearing t-shirts of credit to uh, horror gods. Yep. had to rock it for this episode but yeah this two-faced chucky this uh really gruesome looking chucky that yeah. uh comes out of the shadows and really the threat is there now now he really is holding on to her life and making a decision and she's pleading with him don't don't let go and chucky's going the other way just let go you can do yeah. it you you'll be so freed if you you know let this evil overcome you and make the decision to take her out for what she did you know obviously we soon we learn later what chucky's real motives are but but at this point chucky's down there with a knife so if he does even if she drops her and she stand, and she lands on her feet like a cat she's being dropped right into the lap of chucky absolutely and that's the that's the real threat and that's why he is holding her over a cliff so to speak because it's you know shoot if she falls that's it and chucky argues with him do it do it do it and jake and has he's his at her. he's swinging at the knife trying to cut her while she's hanging yeah well before that happens he says you know come on jake do it do it do it and jake finally comes to his conclusion you know what no i am not a killer it's yeah. definitive. This is definite. This is where I'm at. And with that, his little potential team up with Chucky dissolves. That's over. And Chucky realizes that and just kind of says, fuck it. I'll do it myself. And, and then, yeah, then goes and starts trying to stab her, you know, trying to cut her ankles. And yeah, maybe if he's lucky, hit her in a spot that she bleeds out instantly. Yeah. Must be what he's thinking. You know. And I'm also I would like to remark upon the wild amount of strength Jake exhibits. I mean, that's a that's that's a very a feat. That's one of those adrenaline fueled feats of strength, you know. So well, he gets her back up there, and the co cops come in the front door. Chucky rever reverts to inanimate Chucky, um, and the cop picks up the doll. Yeah, this is Detective Evans' partner, uh, Detective Sean Payton, by the way played by the actor Travis Milne. Uh, and yeah, he shows up. What's going on here, you know? Uh, sneaks in a little Child's Play 1 reference there where he goes, ugly fucking doll. Reminds me of that elevator, you know? Ugly doll, fuck you. Which we now know was an ad lib by Brad. Yes, that's true. We learned that on this. I learned that here. I didn't know that before. Yeah. But yeah, he takes the kids into the squad car and drives him and then gets to the hospital and walks out carrying Chucky, leaving them locked. And, you know, at this point, Chucky hasn't killed anyone yet in this episode, and we know it's coming. And, oh, yeah. and as he's holding him uncomfortably, like just holding him like a doll, that's a sure sign always. When you see someone holding Chucky, like disrespectfully. Yeah, disrespectfully, like Aunt Maggie walking down the hallway with him, bumping him into the, the yeah. walls and stuff. You know, oh, don't the slightest, the slightest insult to 
Charles Lee Ray, and he will make sure you pay for it. I, I always carry the doll like he's a baby. I never carry him with disrespect. I don't, I don't want to bring that wrath upon myself. Um, so another in the hospital and another broken vending machine. Uh, cop goes to get some candy and fucking thing is broken. Nothing works in this hospital. Neither do the lights apparently because it's very dark in all these rooms. <laughs> Where they go, it's dark. Um, yeah. It's like some hospital in hell. Uh, but yeah, the candy machine doesn't work and and he ends up stealing some candy, does he not? Yeah, well, he gets donuts. He get he he must have a serious sweet tooth because he hits up like three or four different treats all in one short period. He's reaching up the back of the vending machine, which, by the way, you can do. I've done it. He's trying to do it, uh, and then Lexi goes storming by in the background. We we cut away from the candy machine, and we see Lexi go by, and she goes flying into Caroline's room, terrified that the cop has delivered this doll to her sister and that some mayhem will ensue. Uh, it does not. We know the doll's out there in the vending machine with the cop, So she, but she's showing real concern for her sister, which is sweet to see. She is. It's not what brought her into the room. She went in there really just looking for Chucky. I mean, maybe it's to defend her sister, but looking for Chucky regardless. And then she sees her sister there, and yeah, she has a moment of sitting down yeah. next to her and holding her hand and like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, more and more, you know, she's on a path of redemption that is a, an uphill battle based on how terrible she was two episodes ago. Um, so these little pieces of the fullness of her character are coming through uh, a lot throughout this episode. Yeah. It's a transition, transition episode for her, for sure. It is, and in and, and, and a few ways. Back to Lexi and Devin, where Devin really breaks it down. This is what I learned. This is what I know. And it's kind of like they're both feeding each other information. And, and because of what he says, Lexi's comfortable taking the chance and saying, you know what? This doll's fucking alive, okay? I saw it. I know it. And, and Devin tries to shake it off at first. Yeah, okay. I, you know, I may have found some information here and... But it's an urban legend. These are urban legends. Like Devin still can't really go over that hurdle of believing her. Um, but you can tell he's close. You can tell he's close. So this detective, uh, Detective Sean Payton, is uh, really pushing his luck around Chucky, being as disrespectful as it gets, dropping crumbs on his head for Christ's sake. And we know this is donut. He's like eating a powdered donut over pizza face Chucky and yeah, dropping crumbs on him, which sign talk about signing your death warrant. Seriously, uh, and we know it's coming. And of course it does, it doesn't take long. Chucky sees uh, a, an implement that he's used in the past a few times, a scalpel, kind of a, a almost a trademark kill tool of Chucky. I mean, he certainly used it in the first one. So there's an homage back to part one. Um, but he throws it right into the detective's back. And this is a serious squeamish jump moment as the detective falls onto. Yeah, I mean, even just thinking about it, you're making the face. Because, yeah, goes right into him. And I, I love uh, this. There's some dialogue here that I really love. But first coming from me, he goes, I can't move. You know, and he's... Chucky, that's because I hit your spinal cord. The, this, some of this dialogue from Chucky right here is my absolute 
favorite uh maybe in the it, first of all it's one liner after one liner there's yeah. like several of them together um including an homage to cult of chucky where he says you might feel a little prick which was a tagline from the poster yes uh, there's a weird thing. It's one thing though, that when you see Chucky jump off the counter to go get the syringes and uh, it's very clearly not the good guy doll shoes. They're like little, they look like little Chuck Todd's, you know, they're like, it's not that stiff plastic shoe. It's a little actual human shoe. Um, Cause this is, this is Jake, this is Jacob, no doubt in this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so some of these one-liners, you know, you, you gotta have, drop them, Alex, drop the one-liners. Yeah. There's two in a row that are yes. I, oh, he says, uh, maybe I'm projecting at one point. He says, uh, oh, I couldn't stand your fucking face. No, that's my favorite. I was saving that one because that one's but my that, That's the reaction to the projecting, though. That's what that's. Yeah. That, I think arguably my favorite Chucky line of this season. I laughed dr seriously out loud from Brad's delivery. I just can't stand your fucking face. So good. So and then he looks in the mirror and goes, or maybe I'm just projecting. Maybe I'm just projecting. Time for another cocktail. Let's make it a double. So yeah, after this flurry of one-liners, Chucky flips open the syringe box and picks up God knows what in these syringes and gives him this cocktail, sending him into probably multiple cardiac arrests on top of each other. Where you see blood come out of his ear, then his nose, then his eyeball, then all of his fingertips. It's his like fingertips, especially that really pushes the envelope to another level. It's like, whoa. Yeah. But the way that they shot that, uh, I gotta think it's uh, an homage to a specific director that I don't, I'm not sure who it's a question for Don, but it's, it's yeah. specific. I agree. It's, 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 it looks different than the, our brand. You know what I mean? It's, it does. it's definitely an homage. Yeah, for sure. So now we're back at the home at the uh, orphanage where police are there and we find out that Charles Lee Ray is there. What, but the, what are the cops doing there, Alex? Well, they're there because, you know, I guess they found this uh, maggot filled dead body of the janitor. Yeah. And, and Charles Lee Ray realizes okay time to hit the road i can no longer stay here and get away with this so it's time to leave but as he leaves he decides to leave a parting gift for his uh, most promising protege and it's a severed hand and you can tell that this kid really appreciates it he puts it away like his own special little secret gift that he values it's <laughs> And, you know, we realize there's some sort of connection there. And so they just give it right to us. Who is this little boy? Back to Child's Play 1. It is, from the very first scene, Charles Lee Ray's Chucky's accomplice, Eddie Caputo. Uh, I remember reading that in the script and being like, oh, that's so cool. That's so, so fun and so great. Eddie Caputo. And I'll tell you something else that maybe you didn't know, Christine, something unfortunate happened. Um, you know, there's so many moving parts to a show like this and so many people with different jobs to get a show like this on the air. But there was a mistake in the closed captions where I think that that woman from the orphanage very clearly says Eddie Caputo, but 
the closed caption and said Andy Caputo. Oh, we didn't and know I, I only know that because I've heard people refer to him as Andy Caputo. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's Eddie, obviously it's Eddie. And uh, I, I looked into it and that's why in the closed captions wow. it said Andy Caputo. Wow. All right, so now we're in the hospital again. So after, after Devin lays out the whole, the lore to Lexi, we cut to Jake is now being interrogated by Detective Evans. Yeah, and this is a serious interrogation. She has stepped it up now. Now she's got the tape recorder going and she's talking to someone that, you know, you, uh, interrogators and detectives get a certain tone about them when they're sure that this is their guy. Mm-hmm. And she's laying that on pretty thick. Um, but at the same time, she's talking about the doll in a way where it feels like she's almost ready to believe that this doll's alive. I feel like there's a sense of her that is like, you know, it takes me back to the scene with the uh, woman with the apple. Uh, you know, she knows that this doll is involved and maybe she can't admit to herself what it is or isn't willing to totally face it. But I feel like there's a sense of her that certainly knows something's up. Well, she knows something's up and she almost cracks him. She's really coming down on him so hard. Like you really think he's gonna, he's gonna tell her. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But uh, right at the moment that he's about to, t- like you think he's gonna crack, she really comes in at him hard. It's kind of yeah. mean, he's just a baby actually. <laughs> But uh, Chucky pulls some shenanigans. Yeah, he pulls the plug on Caroline. And, I, you know, I really think he did that just to call attention to his kill, his beautiful kill that he set up here for them. Because it's interesting, and I could be wrong, but uh, for some reason, I feel like Caroline is safe from Chucky. I don't feel like, I feel like they kind of bonded and Chucky has no interest in killing Caroline. Well, he's not a monster. He's not a monster, exactly. But he is really, and that was a bullshit line, because uh, he is. But but wasn't there a conversation at some point about how old is the youngest you can kill somebody? Yeah, and he says I'm not babies. I think, but I think the acceptable age is like Andy's age, which Caroline is. So yeah. I don't, I don't think that's her saving grace. But I think I, I don't know, and I could be wrong, and and maybe you know in the future. Chucky does kill Caroline for all we know, but you know, uh, I don't know. I got a sense that him pulling the plug was not an effort to kill Caroline, but to bring them in. Into it could the- even have been, yes, indeed, twofold. I and mean, we don't know that he wasn't eavesdropping on the interrogation of Jake and Detective Evans. He, he doesn't want that information coming out. Yes. So it could have been a twofold thing, like just create a diversion and then also reveal this beautiful murder the blood kind of drips down over to the nurse and then the nurse sees it. And this is a, a couple really great scream queen kind of screams in a row. The nurse gives a good one. Uh, Mayor Michelle Barbara gives a really good one. A couple really good screams there. Intense. Everybody's panicking, trying to save Carol and get her back on, you know, health support. And the kids all come to the window and there's pizza face Chucky. And what does he do? And the kids look at Chucky and I got to say, this is one of Chucky's most gangster moves I ever seen. Yeah. There's, there's just the balls on him to give him the finger and smirk like, <laughs> it's a straight up G moment, if you ask me. 
Yeah. Yeah. That that, that's it right there. That's it. Uh, Chucky gives him the finger full of confidence. We know that shit is going to get even crazier than it's been thus far. And that's the perfect time to cut into the credits with the end of another awesome episode. It was an awesome one. I enjoyed it a lot. It was. Episode four, Just Let Go. Next, we will be talking about episode five, but not before another interview. Uh, Next week on Tuesday will be episode five, part one, our interview with... Barbara and Allie. Mother and daughter. We promised that last week. Yep, Barbara Woods, Olivia Allen Lind, uh, Lexi and Michelle Cross. It uh, really was a fun interview, and uh, I'm excited to to get that out there. Yeah. Really great. Thank you, Christine, for hanging out and taking the time with me to uh, talk about this episode. And thank you guys for joining us. Uh, hope next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday. So uh, thank you, guys. Hope you have a great week, and we will see you soon. <laughs> you thought? <laughs>